listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Well, I'm so excited that we have you in the house today on this beautiful Mother's Day. And I'm going to do something a little bit unorthodox. Um, I've had a lot of people come to me. I know that we're kind of like skirting around a recession and there are a lot of people that are searching for jobs. So if you are visiting, this isn't something that I normally do, but I just felt as I came across this particular job, I felt like it would have some relevance and importance. And if it could help one person in the audience today, I felt like it was worth sharing. So before we get into today's service, I'm just going to go ahead and read um, if you didn't know about this. But there is a job that's available. And the description goes a little something like this. It's long-term, team players are needed. We're looking for challenging, permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be willing to work variable hours, which will include evenings, weekends, and frequent 24-hour shifts on call. Some overnight travel required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy day weekends and endless sports tournaments in far away cities. Travel expenses are not reimbursed. Extensive courier duties also required. But get, get this, these are the responsibilities. The rest of your life, you must be willing to be hated, at least temporarily, <laughs> until someone needs $5. Must be willing to bite tongue repeatedly. Also must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule and be able to go from zero to 60 miles in three seconds flat. In case, this time, the screams from the backyard are not someone just crying wolf. Must be willing to face stimulating technical challenges, such as small gadget repair, mysteriously sluggish toilets, and stuck zippers. Must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework projects. Must have the ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and mental outlooks. Must be willing to be indispensable one minute and an embarrassment the next. Must handle assembly and product safety, testing half a million and cheap plastic toys and battery-operated devices. Must always hope for the best and be prepared for the worst. Must assume final, complete accountability for the quality of the end product. Responsibilities also include floor maintenance and janitorial work throughout the facility. What about advancement and promotion? That's a great question. Virtually none. Your job is to remain in the same position for years without complaining, constantly restraining and updating your skills so that those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Previous experience needed? None required here, unfortunately. On-the-job training offered on a continual and exhausting basis. Well, what about the wages and compensation? I'm glad you asked. Get this. You pay them. Offering frequent raises and bonuses. A balloon payment is due when they turn 18 because of the assumption that college will help them because financially independent. When you die, you give them whatever is left. (laughs) The oddest thing about this reverse salary scheme is that you actually enjoy it and this wish you could only do more. Benefits, while no health or dental insurance, no pension, no tuition reimbursement, no paid holidays, and no stock options are offered. This job supplies limitless opportunities for personal gross, gr- growth and gross, I'm sure. Free hugs for life if you play your cards right. And that j- job description is the job description of a mother. And so moms, we value and celebrate you. In fact, go ahead and would you stand if you are a mother, would you please stand up and we just wanna go ahead and honor you. I know, you don't like the spotlight. (laughs) 
You are absolutely amazing. Every single one of us has one, and mothers are worth celebrating. We're going to have a free gift for you on your way out. We'll give you instructions later. But I'm excited uh, to dive into motherhood in Scripture. But before I do that, I want to recognize all the women that are in the house that maybe are trying to become mothers. Um, we celebrate and honor you. You know, all throughout Scripture, there are a lot of women that had to pray and intercede and cry out um, for children. And so I would encourage you to, st you know, to stand on those scriptures. You are not alone in that battle. And ultimately, God does want to reward you with children. But I know sometimes if you're trying to be a mother and they're celebrating mothers, it can be a sensitive subject. And I just want you to know that you are valued, that you are understood, and that we celebrate women as a whole at this church. Why? Because God celebrates women. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, way back in the beginning, in the beginning God, and remember he started to create things. The sun, the moon, and the stars. He started to create the little creeping things that crawl on the earth. He made all of the animals. And then he made man. And everything was good. Everything was good. It was going really well. But when he created man, there was a problem. It was, a, it was actually man's first problem. And do you know what the answer to that problem was? Woman. So I want all the men in the house to hear this. That women were the first answer to man's first problem. And you would be wise to remember that when you're navigating the trials of life, that the woman that God has joined you, I really mean this, I'm not trying to be funny, um, but it is a little funny because we know how us men can be, but that your woman, your wife, is always an answer and never a problem that God gave you. Amen? Amen. We're working on those men, ladies. We're working on them. We are, we are starting a new series uh, this week titled, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? And so today, obviously, we're going to be talking about motherhood, and we're going to end on Father's Day talking about fatherhood, and we're going to dive into sisterhood, we're going to dive into brotherhood, we're going to dive into priesthood and servanthood. So it's going to be a great time. I encourage you to invite all of your friends and family because there's going to be a little something for every single one of you. But I came across this quote as I was studying for uh, motherhood, and it, it goes like this. There ain't no hood like motherhood. And all the moms said A to the men on that one. <laughs> what is motherhood? Well, motherhood is a noun. It is the state of being a mother, maternity, the qualities or spirit of a mother, mothers collectively. So all of you mothers are united. You share a common bond. You are a part of that tribe of motherhood. And so as we dive into that, um, there's no better scripture to start with than Exodus 20:12, And this is actually one of the 10 commandments, the fifth. And it says this, honor your father and your mother then you will live a long, full life in the land of the Lord, in the land the Lord, your God, is giving you. Now, first of all, that's the fifth commandment in the, in the Ten Commandments. Now, some theologians believe, I'm not saying that this is doctrine, I'm saying that this is what some theologians believe, is that God put the Ten Commandments in order of importance. And where they come to that um, where they come to that is based on the first two have to do with our relationship with God, right? Um, we shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, strength, right? And in the second, um, 
We shall have no other gods before him. So the first two deal with our relationship with God. The rest deal with our relationship with man. And if you think the fifth uh, one with honoring your mother and father, below that is adultery and murder. Could it be that God sees dishonoring your mother and father as worse than those two sins? Now, God sees those two sins as absolutely heinous and destructive. However, I believe that dishonoring your mother or father is the beginning, is the entrance, is the gateway drug to all of sin coming into your life. So God sees that there's something that starts within the family that protects us as we go into the world. And it perfectly makes sense because mothers and fathers sacrifice and pour out their lives into their children. You don't really get a true concept of this until you actually become a parent yourself and you're knee deep in that orange muck that comes out of your kids, you know what, when they're drinking formula and you're like, what the heck is this? And it stinks and you're like, wait a minute. You know, my parents changed every single one of my dirty diapers. And so we have a greater appreciation for that. But the Bible tells us, commands us, it's not a suggestion, it's not a recommendation. It actually commands us because they are the Ten Commandments to honor our mother and father. And I want to I focus in on that word honor. Because something you're going to hear me say very often is that words take on new meaning through each generation. Okay? When something was lit, it means that it was on fire. Now my shoes can be lit. So things mean different things now. So I want to make sure that we're all on the same page for the word um, honor. Okay? Honor means this. To, it means something that is valuable, precious, weighty, such as gold. So to honor something is to hold something in high regard, high esteem. Now, when I give you that definition, there's really no lights going off. You would probably say, yeah, that's kind of what I, what I thought. But sometimes to understand what a word is, it's good to actually look at what it isn't. It's counterpart, right? So the word dishonor means this, to treat as common, to treat as ordinary, to not show respect or value. Now, if you're like me, when I read that definition, that was actually kind of a shocker. Because I would think of dishonor as I'm swearing at my mom, I'm ungrateful, I treat her poorly, I'm yelling at her. That's what I would think. Like, you really have to take a step beyond to dishonor. You dishonor your mother. You know, like you dishonored your mom, man. Like, you really have to take a step um, to do that. But reading this definition, it actually convicted me. Because I thought, personally, how many times have I treated my mom as common? How many times have I just expected my mom to be there? Has I treated her as ordinary and not shown respect and not valued? Well, that's go actually going against the principle in this commandment. And so we should look for opportunities, not just relegated to Mother's Day and Father's Day, but look for opportunities all throughout the week, the months, the years, to show our parents honor, to show our parents that we value them, that we esteem them, that we appreciate them. And you know the most beautiful thing about that? That as a son who is, at, who is also a father, if you begin to honor your mother and father, guess what? The next generation is seeing that. 
And as they go into the world, maybe they're not so prone to step into some of those sins that are listed later in the Ten Commandments because they have a reverence and honor for their parents. They have a reverence and honor for authority. They have a reverence and honor for the governmental structures that we put in place. So God is pretty smart. He knows what he's doing. This would be wise of us to begin implementing this. And that's what really stood out to me. Like we can, we can treat our parents as just common and, and, and not to get caught in that rut. So let's, let's take another step into motherhood. You know, the most amazing thing about women, I, as I was studying, is that women represent the nurturing and tender side of God, right? Because they made man and woman in, his Im- in God's image. But they also represent the fearless and fierce side as well. So you have nurturing and tender on this side, and you also have f- fearless and fierce on this side. And I came across this quote to help illustrate it. Enki Jemish said this, there is no greater warrior than a mother protecting her child. You know, I started to do a little research on bears. And um, did you know that over 70% of human deaths by grizzly bears um, are related to the mother grizzly bear protecting their children? I want you to think about that. 70% of all bear attacks are from the mom. That's pretty crazy. And as you go into the animal kingdom and you explore this beautiful species, it isn't just relegated to humans. It's actually relegated to other bears as well, where two males will come and maybe they're squaring off to see who has the biggest machismo. They'll fight and kind of paw at each other a little bit. But then if the other one's showing he's a little bit, you know, flexing on them, the other bear will walk away. But as you study motherhood in the mama bear, a mama bear will stand their ground until the threat of opposition has been eliminated or they're dead. So when they go into a fight to protect their young, they're there until you're gone or they're gone. The male doesn't have that. The males, even as they encounter other bears or even a human, they might take a few swings, but if you hold your bike up in the air, they'll probably just go running around. That's not going to work on a mama bear. Okay, that's not going to work on a mama bear. And so mama bears are fierce. And Hosea 13.8 says it like this, like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open like a lion. I will devour them. A wild animal will tear them apart. The context of this verse is God's anger towards Israel for neglecting God's justice. And God commands to care for the marginalized and the poor and the abused and the, and the, and the oppressed. But God is basically saying, don't, don't move me to the point of a mother bear because I will come in like a mother bear. And so women possess this ability, the, that nurturing side, that, that tender side. It's the first, you know, first person a child runs to when they scrape their knee. They ain't running to dad. They're running to mom because they know that mom's going to embrace them. Mom's going to love them. But also, heaven forbid that that bully follows that little kid home. That kid's about to get his head ripped off by mom. Where a guy kind of be like, well, he needs to learn to defend himself. You know, like my mom's going to be like, no, I'm about to go off mama bear style on uh, that little 
kid. In fact, as I was reading, I came across all these testimonies for the sake of time. I can't get into the details of all of them, but I'm sure as I share, um, you'll be reminded of some of the stories that you've read where women have um, attested to these uh, extreme feats of strength. I was reading one where a child was pinned inside underneath a car and the mother picked up the car and pulled out the child. Did you just hear what I said? A mother picked up the car in this fit of like endorphins and who knows? I mean, they, they stepped outside of themselves and they tapped into this, no other way to explain it, but a supernatural strength because their child was being harmed. Think about it. No amount of creatine, no gear, okay? The, no, and not even the muscle to, to, to complete this feat. They tapped into something supernatural because God hardwired them to take care of those children. Men don't have that. Women have that. And it's not about pinning men against women, okay? But we are to celebrate women and we are to celebrate men. We're supposed to do both, okay? We're not supposed to be threatened by either, okay? Anyway, I'm not going to go any further on that. But just take the time to think about that. And it reminds me of John 15, 13, when the Bible says, there is no greater love than this than he who lays his life down for his brothers. That's what a mother does. A mother lays her life down. Not for a particular moment, not in a particular instant, but the moment that that child enters into the world, a mother lays her life down. She becomes second to that child. Any mothers will tell you they're the last ones to eat. They're the last ones to get ready. They're the last ones to put, you know, to take care, buy clothes for themselves because they put that child above themselves. And I think that's such a beautiful, we celebrate and honor men in these feats of jumping on a grenade, of, you know, like pushing somebody out of the way of a moving vehicle and rightfully so. But a woman mothers are demonstrating this on a daily basis of laying their lives down. And we move so fast and all of us are so important while we're answering our cell phone, while we're ordering coffee, which is something that I've committed not to doing because I just feel like such a tool when the guy is asking me or the girl's asking me what kind of coffee I have. And I'm like, oh, just hold on. I'm so important. Like, yeah, can I just, it's just ridiculous. Like just call the person back. It makes me sick. We're like, we're connected to these things. And so anyway, that was a rabbit trail. But women lay their lives down on a constant basis for years and years and years. And because they do it, it becomes ordinary. It becomes common. And we don't celebrate it for what it truly is. And so we need to make sure that our eyes aren't blinded to our mothers laying their lives down for us. Amen? Okay. Not only do women possess a supernatural strength, but they also possess a supernatural patience and pain-enduring gene that men simply do not have. John 16, 21 says it like this, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Now, 
I, I, I tried to find like the measure of pain assigned to delivering a baby. Now, you know, I have six children, and so I've been there for every single one of them. And I can tell you from experience, not experiencing it, but seeing it firsthand witness, uh, there's a lot of pain involved <laughs> in that process. And so I came across a... Um, a list that was, uh, it, was a, it was a study done with women, and it was describing the pain of childbirth in their own language. So this is a little fun, and some of them I don't even quite get. Maybe some of the mothers in here will get, but I just thought it was important to hear from the mothers instead of me coming up here telling you about how painful childbirth can be. Number one, women described it like a bad UTI without cranberry juice. <laughs> Number two, being hit in the downstairs. I actually had to change that <laughs> to, to make it PG. <laughs> so use your imagination, okay? Number three, Taco Bell food poisoning times a thousand. <laughs> Number four, and this is one of the ones I don't get, lawn gnome squeezing my abdomen. I, I don't understand that one. Um, but I am kind of freaked out by yard gnomes, just to be honest with you. I don't know where they came from, and I don't know why they keep sprouting up. So let's stop buying them so they stop making them. But anyway, uh, number five, having a boulder in your stomach. Number six, like a mosh pit on my insides. Okay, that's definitely a Gen Xer. Um, I don't know where we're at, but the next one, like passing all six of Thanos' infinity stones. Okay. That's a, gen, that, that's a millennial right there. Okay, uh, next one, like a freight train running through me. And last but not least, like being hit by lightning in the crotch, okay? <laughs> so I'm gonna take your word for it. <laughs> it's a lot of pain, you know? But the, the, the interesting thing is that women go through that enduring pain and they welcome that child with the biggest smile, not only a smile, but if you've ever had the privilege of being in that room to watch nothing and the miracle of life come into this world, it's also met with tears. Tears not associated with the pain, tears associated with the joy. So you have a woman that's just went through probably the most, most pain she'll ever feel, and then she, she, doesn't, she doesn't tear up until she sees the joy of holding her child in this world. And I always thought it was interesting that God entrusted the woman to share in the process of creation. Yes, both men and women play a role in that, but he, that he chose women to play a large part in that. What a responsibility, what favor that God placed on the woman. And it breaks my heart to see that being attacked in, from, from every single angle. But what this also shows me experiencing that pain, that life isn't cheap. There is a cost. And that mothers step up to that price and pay that cost. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, we acquire the strength we overcome. And I wonder that going through the process of birthing a child and all of those different adjectives that were described that women somehow going through that process acquire the strength that they need to lay their lives down and to raise a child for 18 
years. I guess nowadays it might be 26 or 27. I might have some 30-year-olds in the house. Um, but it is, it is absolutely amazing. And I can tell you as a personal testimony, because we have six children, as a man, you will never feel more helpless than you do when you're standing next to your wife and she's enduring the most amount of pain that she'll probably ever endure and there's absolutely nothing that you can do to take any of it away or to help. I tried the massage thing and my, just, just slapped my hand <laughs> off her. She always makes fun of me, says I do the worst massages anyway. But, what, but I mean, like you just, as a man, you don't know what to do because the contractions are coming. The breathing is intensifying. The, the, you know, the yelling, there's yelling. And you know, like there's gritting and you're just kind of standing there like, yeah, you can do it. And, uh, good job. And... You know, if I was at a Celtics game, I'd be like, come on, smart, pick up the ball. You know, I'd be all into it. But as, um, as, as I'm watching, I'm just like, you're doing, you're doing a good job. Uh, do you need some water? And she's like, no. And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to stand here. I'm ready to jump in anytime. But, uh, but, but God, God designed this that a woman really had to do it alone, even though the man's there. And I just think there's something fascinating about that, that I had the privilege, a front row seat, to see um, the strength that I didn't know my wife possessed. And all of a sudden that day she became, she became a mother and I had a new lens and a new grid to be able to see her. And it's, it's just awesome, a new facet of, of, of her personality all of a sudden blossomed that I never knew that she had. And what a privilege as men that we get a front row seat to be able to witness our wives step into um, motherhood. And so moving right along. So what is the job of a mother? Uh, it's pretty multifaceted. And so I'm just gonna highlight a few things. There's no way uh, that we could produce an exhaustive list. We could be here for the rest of the year uh, explaining and describing all the different functions and roles of a mother. But I'm gonna highlight a few according to scripture over the next few minutes. Number one, mothers shape our worldview. The Bible says in Proverbs 22:6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I want you to think about that, okay? I don't know, how many, how many people have had to train somebody at work? Go ahead and raise your hand, okay? Typically when they come to you, they have a basic understanding of arithmetic, reading and writing, right? So they're not starting at square one. A mother's responsibility is to train a child that doesn't even know how to articulate what they are thinking. So they don't even know or have the motor skills to hold a spoon. And so a mother starts from a blank slate, square one, and has 18 years to send them off into the world to be able to live on their own. Have you ever taken the time to actually process that? how much a mother, and I know that a father has a responsibility in that as well, but let's just be honest, the mothers are really pouring so much, especially in those foundational years of one to four inside of a child. Have you ever thought about that? I get frustrated sometimes when somebody doesn't know how to use, you know, Microsoft Word, you know, and I'm like, oh, you don't know how to do, you know, like I'm getting frustrated there, but can you imagine if they didn't even know how to speak? They didn't know how to, you know, they didn't know how to comprehend. So a child start, I mean, a mother starts at that 
ground zero level. Not only that, but we actually share a responsibility in not only helping to teach and train our children, but the children that are inside our sphere of influence or inside of our community. The Bible says in Titus 2, 3 through 5, the older women likewise, and you know what, when you see older women, it's not necessarily talking about, you know, women in their, in their 70s and 80s. It's talking about women that have stepped out of motherhood, so whose children have um, stepped into the world. And so women were having children at a very young age back then. So it's not necessarily just always you think you go to the mind of like retired, and that's not necessarily true. But the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to too much wine. So we're going to be checking everybody's Yeti cups at the soccer games, um, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. So motherhood isn't just for those 18 years. It actually stretches over the course of your entire life. Once you step into motherhood, you never take off that hat, that mantle, that anointing, and that authority is on you all the rest of the days of your life. And so if you feel like I'm an empty nester, my kids are gone, there's nothing for me to do, that simply is not true. You just have to open your eyes to the divine opportunities that are all around you because if, if there was ever a time that we need a mother's influence, it is now. Next, next point, mothers turn a house into a home. Proverbs 31, 27 says this, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. I, I heard a preacher say one time that a, a man can give a woman a seed and the woman turns that seed into a life. And, and I know this is like gender roles and everything, but just, just hear me out, okay? A man can give a woman a house and she will turn it into a home. There's something that a woman does that transforms those four walls and a roof into a home. Home is where the heart is. Home is something you long after. Home is something you think about when you're going through the trials of life. I remember when I signed up in the military and I had drill sergeants yelling and screaming at me and had me running left, had me running right, had me practically doing everything, peeing my pants. I mean, I was like freaked out, scared. In those moments that I was standing there hoping that some other soldier would get their attention so they could go yell at them, I was thinking about home. I was thinking about the love and the nurturing that I received. I was thinking about specifically, I remember when my mom would make brownies and she still has the same brownie pans. What is it about our mothers? They, they have that same like dishes and dishware, but I remember it was all like kind of burnt and like, and, and she would put it out. And I remember the smell where I'd be outside playing and I could smell those brownies and I'd come running in or, you know, and when something went wrong at school, she would always comfort me. I, I was missing home. And mothers turn a house um, into, into a home. Mothers' words bring wisdom and healing into our world. The Bible says in Proverbs 31, 26, she opens her mouth in wisdom and her tongue is on the law of kindness. And I think there's something to be said about that. You know, the Bible says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And there's something about whenever I had a struggle, whenever there was an area that was off in my life or maybe I had, you know, misstepped, um, I always knew that I was going to be embraced with the kindness of my mom. Now, she wouldn't tolerate the mistake that I made or the sin that I committed, but she would always 
it was always a safe place that I could come, that I knew she was going to love me. There, I knew that I could never um, get out of the love of my mom. And I think that's beautiful that moms demonstrate that because that's the way that God loves us. There's not one thing you can do to make God love you any more than he already loves you. And there's not one thing you can do to make him love you any less than he already loves you. And I think somebody in this room needs to hear that. There's not one thing you can do. There's not one thing you've done that's going to make God love you any less than he already loves you. And his love will be chasing you down every second of every minute of every hour of every day, week, month, year of your life. That's how much he loves and cares for you. And mothers represent that on this earth. And so I want to kind of land this plane and said every preacher ever on uh, Proverbs 31, right? And it says this, she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. <laughs> so buying things is actually like, you know, target runs and all that. It's biblical. It's right there. So just stand on this scripture and be like, hey, women do the buying in the house. Um, and from her profit, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself up with strength and strengthens her arms. So working out is important too. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. You know, mother's job is never done. Your lamps never go out. Um, you're always on duty. Um, and looking back through all of these scriptures and reading Proverbs 31 in its full right, um, it could almost be daunting. And it could be an area of frustration for you as you read that and you say, I don't mirror any of these attributes that are listed in Proverbs 31. But the best news is, is that I just want to share this with you today. And if you get anything out of all of this and all the different accolades and all the things that I shared that, that are wrapped up in motherhood, um, the best news is, is that you don't have to live up to being that type of mother because you already are. God has equipped you with everything that you need. Colossians 2, 9 through 10 reminds us of this. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Mothers, you are complete in him and in him alone. He is your rock and your strength. He is your help in times of trouble. Your job is not to be who you think you need to be. Your job is to look to God and to seek him with humble hearts, and he will make you all that he wants you to be. So I want you to hear this. As you surrender, you will be supplied. As you pray, you will be prepared. And as you refresh, you yourself will be refreshed. John Wesley said this. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. John Wesley, who started the um, Methodist Church, who was a great father in the faith. So many amazing quotes, so many great books were written. He said this, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than all the theologians in England. Make no mistake about it. Mothers are shaping our world. 
and mothers' voices need to be heard in our world. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray over you. I thank you for the gift of women. I thank you for the strength, resilience, the nurturing side, the tender side, the fierce side. We thank you for the women in our life. And Father, we thank you for the mothers that are in this house, that have poured out, that have sacrificed. Lord, I pray that you would refresh them, that you would supply them, that you yourself would nurture them. That they would be mount up on wings like eagles. That they would run and not grow weary. And that they would be, feel carried through this next season and juncture of their life. I pray that they wouldn't fall to the dangers of comparison, looking to the left, looking to the right, looking to social media, sizing themselves up against picture-perfect projected images of other mothers, but that they would rest in the assurance of knowing that they are being made into who you have destined them to be. That out of every woman on this planet, there is no other mother that could do a better job of raising those children than them because that is what you ordained. And so that they would rest in knowing that you have equipped them with everything that they need. And as they submit to you, they become more like you. Lord, I pray that this is a day that is filled with joy, that is filled with celebration, that is filled with God ideas of ways that we can honor our mothers across state lines, across the sea. I pray that emails, text messages, funny memes, letters would be sent out today honoring and celebrating our moms. And so Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen, amen. Thank you so much for spending the last hour with us. We do have a gift for each and every single mom in the house today. So as you exit, one of our Dream Team members will pass that along to you. Happy Mother's Day from the Pines Church. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing, The Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.